It's a Sunday sports shootout here on WOUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz, and I'm thrilled to welcome in my guest for this week, Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times, and he's a Northwestern guy. But I guess I can let a Northwestern guy on the show, even though I'm a Loyola guy, and we're the Loyola station. And I'm thrilled to welcome Ben in. Ben, how's it going, my friend? I'm doing well. Busy time for uh, the Blackhawks and for me, so happy to come on. Did you ever think we'd be talking about the Blackhawks in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I did not think that was going to happen. There was a few times there where it looked like they might make a run sort of in the winter, but then uh, they were out of it and then seemed like we weren't going to have hockey at all. So just a pretty crazy turn of events here to uh, take us to this place, but I certainly appreciate it. And it's got to be keeping you on your toes, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's... Uh, Definitely uh, last night just being on deadline again was was weird. I think my fingers are a little out of practice. They need they need their own training camp for typing. So yeah, it's 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 been on my toes for sure. Yeah, been there, been there, done that for sure. But before we talk about on the ice, I do want to just I just thought about this as I was putting my questions together. This is your first year on the beat, and you got the first full season for Jeremy Colton as head coach. The regular season was a roller coaster. You had a pandemic in the middle. John McDonough got fired during the break, and now the Hawks are in the first round of the playoffs. Has that set in for you yet? Have you had time to think about all that? You know, I, I don't think I'd really thought about how eventful it's been until uh, you, you talked about it just now. I mean, it's, it certainly struck me how odd it is that uh, coronavirus happened in the middle of my first year. That, that part has definitely sunk, sunk in, but uh, – it has been an eventful season even other than that. So, yeah, I, I know when uh, I was hired, it was kind of meant to be fitting with uh, the Blackhawks going through a bit of a reorganization, uh, sort of changing generations that uh, that would work out well. But, uh, yeah, it has been, it's been very eventful for sure. And you're the young guy in the press box, right, I'm assuming? Yes, yeah, definitely the youngest. Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, I th- yeah, I think you know him. Uh, he's uh, late twenties, I think. He's not too much older than me, but uh, everyone else is is decades older. So, yeah, there are definitely some jokes about that. Has it even been a full year? It's been a full year. I was hired in uh, May okay. of nineteen. Yeah. Okay, I lose track of everything, especially with COVID and everything going on, because time stands still. I feel like we're in a time warp. That's <laughs> true. I still think it's springtime sometimes. Yeah. I do too, especially this weekend when I was wearing jeans to the bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now we'll get to the Blackhawks on the ice. There's a lot to talk about there because I didn't think they were going to come close to winning that series. And here they are 3-1. Now they're facing the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round of the playoffs. On my radio show, I said I didn't think they had a chance. I didn't think there was any chance of them winning a game. And here they are winning. What got into them? do you think? Well, I think part of it is just that hockey is a very weird sport and everything can happen and there's a lot of luck and a lot of variation and you just never really know what's going to happen. I certainly did not think that they were uh, the favorites or that they would have the odds in their favor going into that Oilers series either. Um, but uh, I think it, I mean, Corey Crawford coming back helped a lot. He, he played really well in last night's game to help them advance. Uh, and then just the young guys and the old guys played well and sort of came together and figured out how to win together. I thought Taves was fantastic. 
throughout the series. Duncan Keith had a, a really good impact uh, next to Adam Boquist. And then guys like Doc and Kubalik uh, were really strong as well. So the whole team just kind of came together at the right time. What uh, something that Kyle uh, didn't have been preaching all season and that we hadn't really seen come to fruition uh, until now. So it just, uh, they pulled it off at the right time. And I know this is a scorching hot take. I'm sure you've never heard this one before. The PK makes me really nervous. How did they pull that off with the PK unit being as scary as it is? Well, I don't know, even know if the PK played that well. I mean, the Oilers certainly <laughs> have an excellent power play, and it seemed like they, at least the first three games, sort of lived up to the billing. They were very dangerous in the power play. And even last night, uh, the, the second goal was just a few seconds after a power play expired. So we, we came into the series thinking that so much would ride on the Hawks' PK being able to shut down the Oilers' power play or at least limit them. And they didn't really shut them down or, or limit them that much. And yet the Hawks were still able to win. So kind of an odd twist there. And I also saw the comparisons to March Madness, a 12 seed beating a 5 seed. Did, did I see both 12 seeds won? Yeah, both 12 seeds won. Uh, the Canadians beat the Penguins. And I guess that is a pretty popular upset pick in uh, March Madness. So uh, hockey really leaning into that uh, since we didn't actually get March Madness this year. This can be our, our fill-in for that. I'll take it. It still doesn't fill the March Madness void because you know how much I love college basketball. But I'll, I'll take it, though. I like a little excitement in playoff hockey's great. But back to the Hawks, you brought up Corey Crawford. Wow. He, he blew me away. And I, I have a little more on Robin Leonard I'm going to ask you about. But when they traded Robin Leonard, I wasn't real happy about that. So I'm seeing Crow step up. Did you think he was as good as, like, uh, Meathead fans thought he was? You know, Crawford actually had a great season. It gets kind of overlooked because of how popular and successful Leonard was before the trade. But uh, you go look at the metrics, and Crawford was a top 12 or so goalie in the league in pretty much every category and, and had one of his better seasons uh, just on a team that, that wasn't doing very well in front of him. So it was kind of overlooked. Uh, and also with a smaller workload because he was sharing that number one job for most of the year. But, you know, he had a great season. And uh, I know that he doesn't skate much in the offseason, even in normal summers. He he only shows up for training camp one day before uh, it starts normally. He just doesn't like to work out much in the offseason. So if there's anyone who could have overcome getting COVID and not being able to skate for months, it's probably Crawford. And he did look rusty the first three games, and clearly he's admitted that he's not feeling 100% yet. But he, he looked like he was back in his true form last night. He, he won that game single-handedly pretty much for the Blackhawks. And it, I wasn't that surprised. I think Crawford is, is still a lot better than some people realize. And, I, I mean, I've always been critical of Crawford. Like, sometimes it's been a little overcritical. But that's just because I'm I, not a big hockey head in a way. Like, I'm, I always joke I'm fluent in baseball, conversational in basketball and football. Hockey, I'm a little – on the edge so sometimes I I gave him the blame for the bad defense in front of him but I, I was really impressed and you brought up my next question was how he had COVID-19 got over it and performed like he did yeah it's an incredible story just to I mean certainly we didn't know he had COVID when he was missing for the first two weeks of training camp and there was a lot of speculation about that and then for him to return sort of in the last day and and come out and talk openly about his experiences with that was, was really fascinating to hear firsthand from a pro athlete about how it affects him. And 
Uh, certainly, he didn't have the, the worst case of it out there. He said he had flu symptoms for a few days and then just sort of had to rest for a few weeks and, and quarantine, but didn't have anything too extreme. But uh, yeah, definitely crazy and interesting to hear uh, his experience with that and to see him now performing at this high level just a, a few weeks later. You know, another player who stood out to me, and shout out to my guy Joe today over at NBC Sports Chicago for bringing up playoff legend Matthew Highmore. I don't think I'd heard Matthew Highmore's name more than a couple times in the regular season. And seeing him step up, do you think more of the young guys can follow his lead heading into this next series? Yeah, Highmore's a great story, too. I mean, he's an undrafted guy, played in the AHL for a few years, missed almost all of last season with, uh, I believe, a broken leg, and then uh, comes up, sort of establishes himself uh, in the NHL for the first time this year. Uh, but you're right, doesn't he, doesn't he didn't exactly make a name for himself. He wasn't certainly one of the, the key players. And then to come through with two crucial goals like he has the last two games is a cool story. And, and yeah, it should be a, a model for a lot of the young guys, I think, uh, He's he's a he's a become an important voice in that locker room. He's a he's a really nice, relatable guy and, and hardworking. And uh, to see him rewarded with this kind of success and and this attention is definitely something the whole team uh, appreciates and, and sees as deserved and justified for for one of their you know favorite guys. Now, who could be the next young guy to step up? Because we've heard Highmore in the last series. Who could be the guy in this series? Well, if you're looking for someone. Um, of that level, I, I'm not entirely sure. I've kind of thought that Kajula could be a breakout guy, but uh, he he wasn't as uh, noticeable in the Oilers series as I thought. He's also not that young. Um, I think for in general, I think we need to see more from Adam Boquist. I think he was he struggled a bit against the Oilers. Uh, he had a really rough uh, game in Game Two, the one they lost, and and just didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, so I think there'll be more pressure on him going forward to take his step forward, certainly as a 19-year-old defenseman. And the first time in the playoffs, you can't have that high expectations for him. It's, it's a learning process. But uh, as it goes on, it'd be exciting to see him sort of figure out how to play in this setting and, and take a step forward there. You think Kirby Doc picked up a little confidence in this series? I know there were a few times I was sitting there going, just shoot it. He, he was a little passive. Do you think he could be a little more aggressive? Yeah, that was kind of one of his, his struggles all year was he just didn't shoot the puck enough. Uh, he was he was always deferential too much to his teammates in terms of passing up opportunities. But uh, he certainly has looked really good, I think, in the this playoffs. He had four assists in the four games in this round, and he was excellent in training camp uh, back in Chicago last month. And he's definitely taken a step forward in what's basically his second year with the team, even though it's still technically his first. And uh, he has a bright future. He's gotten a lot of attention. I think he, he lived up to the hype uh, in that first series. So uh, if he can maybe be a little bit more confident, a little bit more willing to shoot the puck and, and be that guy instead of deferring to his teammates, he can, he can make even more of an impact moving forward. Then last thing before we get to talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, who the Hawks will be playing in the next round. If the Hawks would have lost this series, it had a 12.5% chance of the top pick in the draft. Do you see anything changing now, like without that chance of the top pick now that they're moving on? You know, I never really thought too much of that uh, slim chance at Alexis Lafreniere. I mean, it's, I feel like it was overhyped from the start. Certainly it's crazy that one of the teams that were eliminated in the qualifying round will get him, but teams just 
don't play for first round picks or you ask any player about a draft pick and he will immediately shut you down. They just, it's not something they think about. And 12.5% is, is not that high. And if you don't get that, then you're picking ninth or 10th or something and, and not changing the directory of the franchise really much at all with a guy down there. So I never really thought too much of that opportunity and I don't think anything will really change uh, with them now out of the running for that. And I talked about it last week. I watched the last dance again because I got bored. I figured I'd watch the last dance again. And I got to the episode where they were talking to Michael Jordan. The Bulls wanted him to sit out so they could tank. And he said, no, we need to win. We play to win. And they went to the playoffs. And I found myself kind of rooting for the tank before the game. But once the game started, I went into full playoff hockey mode, like yelling at the TV and everything. So I guess that's kind of the sentiment you're hearing from the players then is just win, win, win. Yeah, that's just always the way it is. And I think it's different across different sports, too. I think the number one overall pick in basketball makes more impact than the number one overall pick in hockey. I mean, you look at Zion and and how different the Pelicans are when he plays versus when he doesn't. There just isn't anyone in hockey that can really do that. The past three number one overall picks, all those teams were yet again in the bottom seven this year that picked the last three number one overall picks. Like, it just doesn't make that much of a difference. And Lafreniere is a great talent and, and probably better than the average number one overall pick, but it's still, you can't really say that he's a Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin type. Like he has the possibility of getting there eventually, but there's so no sure thing. So I just don't think that it's really comparable to basketball where you're pretty much guaranteed of transforming the franchise. If you get that top guy. When you bring up Zionist number one pick brings back bad bulls flashbacks watching that lottery, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get on that right, <laughs> right now. I'm going to save that for another time. Talking with Ben Pope of the Sun Times here on the Sunday sports shootout, WOUW 88.7 FM. All right. We got to talk about the golden Knights and an old friend, Robin Leonard. How do you see this series going 12 against one? <laughs> well, first we need to find out if Leonard is going to start. Um, it's, Certainly they have Linner in the fold. They also have Marc-Andre Fleury, who has been to five Stanley Cup finals, won three of them, but also had his worst season since 2006 this season. So we'll see who starts. They've been alternating through the round-robin games and goal, and Leonard won the game today. He's 5-0 and in his first five starts with Vegas, three of those back in March, and then two now the past week. Um, so we'll see what happens, but if they do go with Leonard, that's going to be a fascinating storyline seeing he versus Crawford after they kind of indirectly battled for most of the season for the, the Hawks job. Uh, and selfishly, I would love to see it because Leonard is just an amazing quote and extremely honest, interesting guy. So just to be back to interviewing him and then hearing everything he has to say would be uh, really amazing uh, in terms of just, uh, generating attention in that way. But, um, should be an interesting series. Certainly the Hawks will be underdogs yet again. Uh, the Knights are a better team than the Oilers were and, and have a lot of talent across the board. Um, but you never know. Like I said, it's hockey. It's crazy. So uh, who knows what will happen. And it's playoff hockey too, no less. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and talking about Leonard being a good quote, I, when I interned at NBC Sports Chicago in fall semester, it was fall of 2019, I had to listen to the post-game locker room conversations and some of his quotes were great I that was one of the main reasons I wish they kept him he had so many good quotes and he was a great social media presence too yeah no he definitely knows how to work Twitter and he's a fascinating guy to talk to in the locker room uh can be a little intimidating sometimes if he's in one of his bad moods or if he 
he really wants to make a point about something uh, but he definitely I mean, is like great that, i feel like <laughs> yeah that's true but uh, definitely is a great quote really interesting guy and has some very passionate uh unusual opinions about certain subjects it's always interesting to hear him talk about compared to a lot of hockey players who who generally try to keep those inside so a breath of fresh air for sure whenever he's in a locker room unusual opinions about different subjects i then i'm kind of hear that on twitter when i do my show on sundays (laughs) (laughs) so with the oilers their big strength obviously was the power play everyone was i was so worried about that pk i mean every time the oilers had a power play especially that five-minute major on Debrinket that the Hawks got bailed out on. I was sitting on the edge of my seat going, oh, no, 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 no. What is the one thing, the X factor, if you will, that the Golden Knights bring to the table? Well, I think the, the reason that Vegas is such a good team is because they aren't reliant on any one thing. They don't have a McDavid or Dreisaitl type player. They don't have any superstars like that um they don't have a historically amazing power play like the oilers do but they have a lot they have a strong top six forwards they have a strong bottom six forwards they have a strong defense and they have strong goaltending they're well-rounded team they don't have any big weaknesses even though they also don't have any huge strengths so um that's going to be the real challenge is there isn't anywhere to attack them and it's going to be tough because the hawks don't have the depth that the the knights do they the Oilers have McDavid and Dreisaitl, but the Hawks have Taves and Kane, and Taves and Kane were kind of able to win that battle. But it's going to be harder to go 12 forwards versus 12 forwards and win that battle against the whole team. So that's going to be the challenge for the Hawks against a, a really well-rounded Knights team. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your prediction? I mean, you have to pick Vegas at this point. Uh, they're now the number one seed. They won two of the three regular season meetings against the Hawks. They were clearly the better team throughout the season, and they're clearly the better team on paper. So there's no way you can't pick Vegas going into this, but certainly I think the Hawks could win um, just because anything can happen, and they certainly do seem to be improving at the right time. you have an idea of how many games you think it'll go? Well, I don't think it'll be a sweep. Um, <laughs> I find in general picking games to be kind of a crapshoot. Uh, but uh, I'll say six just because that's kind of the middle of the road guess. I respect that. I was going to say five or six. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, you're, you're the hockey expert here. Like I said, I, I know it very conversationally compared to the other sports. So I think I'm going to stick with you and go with that six though. Uh, before I let you go, I just got one question about Patrick Kane. Seemed like it, it wasn't a bad series for him, but I also felt like it kind of was a bad series by his standards. you think he might step up his game in this next series now? Well, I think he's always um, a guy that, that wants to do even better. That's what made him so successful is he's so insatiable with his, his individual and team success. So um, I'm sure that he expects more from himself. I didn't think he was, he was bad. I mean, the Hawks offense was producing a lot, even if he wasn't generating enormous point totals himself, but uh I mean, you never know with Kane, he can erupt at any time and certainly one of the most talented offensive players in the league. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him uh, erupt for a three or four point game uh, here around the corner. I mean, it'd be great from a fan standpoint too, especially because I do have right here, I have my, my grandpa's 2015 Stanley Cup champions hat that I wear a lot and a lot these days because I'm so excited about Blackhawks hockey, which I didn't think I'd be excited about Blackhawks hockey at this point. But I am, and I feel like I'm not alone in that regard. 
it's been all over the radio, Blackhawks hockey again. Yeah, it's been really cool to see just how much more um, attention they're getting and, and how Chicago's rallying around this team. It's certainly been a tough time, and we haven't had sports in a while, and baseball is underway, but they're early in their regular season, and, and who knows if they'll even finish it. So uh, having this Hawks run and, and bringing back some of those memories from 2015 and, and beyond has uh, certainly been cool to see, and it's been – I know my, my sort of like totals on Twitter have pretty much tripled from the regular season, so uh, uh, it's, it's definitely neat to see how many fans are coming out of the woodwork and enjoying this run. Well, that's what I told my sister, too, about the game the other night when the Hawks came back and won. It was, I think that was game – it would have been game three. They were down 3-2, 1-4-3. I caught major, like, 2013 vibes with the way – the confidence after that win. Did you kind of sense that on social media? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, it's certainly the joke with Twitter and social media is that everyone overreacts immensely to everything. And that's no, probably that happening happen on Twitter at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's probably happening again here, but uh, I mean, the team, they looked good. I think the confidence for now at least is is justified, and uh, it's it's certainly neat to remember back to some of those runs and then maybe think that there's a possibility they do it again. So uh, it's been cool to see. And it'd be great for us Chicago sports fans as well to have a deep playoff run. (laughs) It'd be very refreshing after everything. Yeah, the city has been waiting a while for another one of those. Still got flashbacks of the double doink because that was supposed to be the last big playoff run that wasn't. We're talking with Ben Pope here on WLUW Sunday Sports Shootout. Ben, thanks so much for the time, man, and have fun covering this series. Thank you. I I will and uh, look forward to uh, talking with you in the future.